This is Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Now here's today's program. Welcome to Faith in Action. I'm Jim Ganley. Our co-host is Bridget Ayer. Hello, Jim. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And you know, Bridget, there's so many um, ways that people can donate to Catholic Radio that we'd like to take a moment or so at the beginning of a Faith in Action program. Just to remind them of a couple. One, uh, very simple, very easy to do, is donating a car or motorcycle, boat, RV, whatever it might be, to Catholic Radio. Now, a lot of people think, oh, that's got to be big. It's got to be complicated. And it's not really. You can go to our website, Catholic Radio nd.org and click on the donate your vehicle link it's over on the right hand side there as you're on the web page and you fill out a little form click the button and it's that simple somebody will be stopping by your house in a few days to pick up and drive away the vehicle if it's drivable if not they'll come with a tow truck uh they'll take it away and you'll be done with it and it'll uh, be sold or salvaged turned into cash and it'll help Keep Catholic Radio on the air. So it's that simple. And if you uh, don't have access to a computer, you can call us here at the station at 317-870-8400. 317-870-8400. Or again, the website, if you uh, can jump on there, is catholicradioindy.org. Yes, well, as Catholics, we are all called to strive to be saints. But I think, you know, when we think of saints, most often uh, people that come to mind are people that lived, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago in societies looking much different than ours. Uh, But not all saints are ancient relics of the past. Our guest today, Michael Litchin, editor of Catholic Exchange, is here to talk about a new kind of modern saint, Blessed Carlo Acutis, a 15-year-old who brought Eucharistic miracles to the Internet. So uh, welcome to Faith in Action, Michael. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's great to join you all today. Well, I want to, before we get into the um, main topic of Blessed Carlo Acutis, I want to ask a little bit about um, the Catholic Exchange, um, what that is. I know you're the editor of that, and then I think you also work with Sophia Institute Press. So talk a little bit about your roles there. Absolutely. Uh, Sophia Institute Press acquired Catholic Exchange well before I got here, and but Catholic Exchange itself is probably the oldest Catholic website out there. It was launched in the 90s in an attempt to be a Catholic Yahoo. Obviously, we've gone through several changes. Most people are thinking, what even is Yahoo? So why would you do that? But <laughs> 90s, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was. And we've, and we've gone through several changes. Now our mission, as it has been since the 90s, has been to make saints in our own time, which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate to talk about Blessed Carlo. And Sophia Institute Press acquired them, who their mission is books, so in many ways Catholic Exchange kind of helps them fill in a few gaps that we have on the Internet to get more of those books, more of those these new saints, these new teachings. These, I should say, old teachings wrapped up and told us in a new way that maybe it will make sense this time <laughs> and get us on the path to sanctity. Now, what are, so I represent them as an editor and a spokesman. Okay, and what are some of the things that Catholic Exchange is still doing today? Are they uh, still in existence? We are. Uh, we definitely we're going through a new change right now, trying to make our website a little more user-friendly for all our mobile users. And we are putting out a podcast. We had to take a little break, but we'll be back up in the summer this month. 
and we put out a once-a-week podcast. Uh, either me or Father Edward Looney, who's one of our long-term writers and a fantastic priest out from Wisconsin, will do an interview with an author or a speaker. And then we're also going to be putting out podcasts about particular moments of Catholic history that might be forgotten in our current time. Well, the the book that um, that Carlo Acutis is very much featured in is called A Millennial in Paradise, Holy Lives for a Modern Age. And the author, you're not the author, but you are speaking on behalf of the book. So explain a little bit about maybe about the author, Father Will, and how he happened to write this book, if you know. Yeah, Father Will Conker is a French priest, as you can probably gather from his name. He's also a French-Canadian by heritage as well. And he is, much like Blessed Carlo, a very enthusiastic, energized young man, uh, young being he's a couple he's a couple years younger than me, but in already his work he has gone all over the place, all over the world. He's currently in Cambodia serving as a missionary with the French Society of Foreign Missions and he's been there for a couple years. I don't know how many hours he works. Like we joke in Catholic media that the only thing smaller than our budgets is our staff, but <laughs> I, this man has got to do the work of at least ten people down there in Cambodia. One of the reasons why he doesn't have a lot of time to be speaking, but he found Blessed Carlo, strangely, through several friends of Blessed Carlo when he was in Italy, and as he learned more about this young man and found out he had died at 15, but there were so many people who were already considering him a saint and talked about how they had asked him for help. His, he had gotten to meet Blessed Carlo's parents, and through that he was just so moved that he wanted to write a book and get that book into more hands. In French, it was actually translated a geek in paradise. We called it a millennial paradise over here in the U.S., but I think that gets to the heart of who Blessed Carlo really is, and he identified as a computer geek. He was in many ways a very typical young teenage millennial kid who loved his PlayStation. He cheered for football. And, you know, very common, but then there was also this grace underneath that, that once you start learning about it, it's hard not to be inspired and hard not to be excited. It's also hard not to be a little convicted, going, wow, how did he know this at 15 and be convicted by it? And here I am and looking at 40 and still trying to understand it. Yeah. That's a a, a good point. We're we're talking with Michael Litchen, and he is the editor, editor of Catholic Exchange uh, with Sophia Institute Press. Jim, you had a question. Well, I was just uh, going to ask for, especially for the benefit of our non-Catholic listeners, that Carlos yeah. Acutis is a blessed, and what that means and where that is on the path between you and me <laughs> and, statehood, and sainthood. Yeah, well, I uh, should say for all non-Catholic readers, and listeners, and also our fellow Catholics, we're all called to sainthood. We're all called to be saints. Some of us are further along than others, and that's fine. That's how God intended it. But we're all supposed to be walking this path. Where Blessed Carlo was and is, is he was along the path to sanctity so much so that when he died, it left such an impact on so many people who realized what a gift they had. And so his cause for canonization was open, and a first step towards that is to become venerable, then you become blessed, which is basically the Church acknowledging that there was a miracle that we can attribute to you, 
in this case, it was a mother who was praying for her son who had a lot of gastrointestinal issues that were causing him to not eat. And this prayer, and so once that miracle is accepted, you can become known. The church proclaims you to be blessed. In other words, it's now fine for us to ask you for intercession to help us out in our day-to-day lives as saints. And then the final period where, you know, we can start naming chapels after him and all that will be canonization, where he'll be called St. Carlo. That's up to the Church and the Holy Spirit when that happens, and if that happens, I'm absolutely convinced that he will be proclaimed a saint within a few short years. But it, we'll see how that goes. It requires miracles, a little more examination of his life, and the Church has to go through a very formal, long process that can take sometimes decades to complete. So, so being, you know, being a modern person, Carlo dealt with a lot of struggles that teens typically encounter today. Um, what were some of those, and maybe how did he deal with it? I'd say the universal one that he dealt with, that almost, that's just the universal condition of modernity, was loneliness. Mm. And uh, The Guardian did a great article several years ago that was titled something like Loneliness is Killing Us, and when you read it, you find that, that in fact, the psychological torments of loneliness are such that it is actually causing long-term health effects. And this article came out before COVID-19 and the lockdown, so I don't even want to... Get into that. I've been trying to (laughs) contemplate. Yeah, I can't imagine what loneliness, like... But uh, but that does talk to the universal condition even more so now, because I think all of us, especially in that young age when you're a teen, you're awkward, you're getting acne, who knows what's popular or not, it is easy to feel like you are just made to be alone and to feel alienated from all your friends, from all your parents, your peers, where I think Blessed Carlo had this secret, I can only attribute it to Grace, but he had this secret... Uh, authenticity that came from knowing exactly who he was, which was a son of God and a friend to Jesus. And that confidence allowed him, like like I said, he loved a lot of the trappings of modern life, such as playing games, he loved his PlayStation, as do I. And he, But he would go further than that and was encouraging and confident in who he was, and I think that gave him a natural attraction. Uh, Father Concur compares him to a Caravaggio painting, The Calling of St. Matthew, where Jesus is clearly a first-century Roman Jewish person, but Matthew is decked in the clothes of Caravaggio's time, and it's like Jesus came out of time to call Matthew and to call and to just surprise everyone that's there that he's still working. And we see that in Blessed Carlo's life, that he was not perturbed to do what he thought was needed. He had this one line that I that's kind of become my motto, that all of us are born originals, but many of us die as photocopies. Mm. And what that basically is saying is all of us are born unrepeatable. God didn't make a mistake when he created you. You were created. You're not an accident, and you can't be done again. You are a one-time thing that God created out of love. And Blessed Carlo knew that. And so for all the peer pressure, all the promiscuity, all the pressure that come with being a teen in the 2000s, he was able to really not even be phased by, and I think that helped him to attract more friends. But more than that, he found a friend in the Eucharist, in Jesus. Much like a young John Paul II when he cried out to Mary, I don't have a mother, I need you to be my mother now. He almost said to Jesus, I need a friend, you're my friend now. And Jesus, of course, was very glad to be so. 
And that filled in a lot of that pain of loneliness that he went through. And it's still something I'm trying to contemplate and understand, but that confidence and that love that he felt in the Eucharist, I think, is the great secret for how he was able to resist teen pressure. I'm really curious, um, what what prompted him to maybe have this deep love of the Lord or how was there something that happened? I mean, he was died at 15, so he didn't have much of a childhood, but did something happen? What, what kind of got him on this path? What was it his family life or was there any particular point that helped him get this or was it just kind of a slow journey growing up Catholic? You know, it's a hard one to answer because all I, when you look at his life, his parents, his mom is very adamant that they were not very good Catholics. They had him baptized when he was born, but weren't very regular churchgoers, and it was all Blessed Carlo. He wanted this from a very young age. It was almost like St. Therese. He was born with that same grace and understanding and desire to seek out God. But with his own parents, uh, he helped his parents become better Catholics, which is just such a bizarre thing. At the age of seven years old, he wanted to be receive First Communion, and that had to be done through special permission through the parish priest, he would go by himself, walk to Mass a couple times a week, or to the Adoration Chapel, where he would just spend time with the Eucharist. And this was all him. This was not his parents saying, okay, time to put on your clothes and go to church or anything. And half the time, they didn't even go with him. So it was Blessed Carlo and his desire that helped his parents to become better Catholics, and they are still very faithful Catholics to the day because of the work their son did. And I wish I could find a direct answer, like if there was one thing that caused that, but I think it was a combination of race and the people his parents, the nannies and folks his parents hired who were very open and encouraging to him when they were his nanny, including a Polish and a Hindu person, both of whom became very devout Catholics after getting to know Blessed Carlo and helping raise him. And uh, one of them, Rajesh, is still to this day a devout Catholic, despite that he grew up a Hindu, but because Blessed Carlo just had that effect. So in a way, it's not even the family life that made Blessed Carlo Catholic. It was Blessed Carlo that made his family life Catholic. And I know every parent out there is wondering, how do I get my kid to do that? <laughs> but in this case, it might just be great. <laughs> well, on that, on that point, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Michael Litchin about... Um, Blessed Carlo Acutis and and the impact he's had on so many people in the modern world. So stay tuned for more Faith in Action. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. You know us as Catholic Radio Indy, but we're so much more than just radio. We're a website catholicradioindy.org with access to great Catholic resources including podcasts of all our local programming, podcasts that have been downloaded from all 50 states and over 40 countries on 6 continents. Yes, we are Catholic Radio Indy, but thanks to your support, we're taking the gospel of Christ to the ends of the earth. Catholic Radio Indy and catholicradioindy.org Just a reminder, Catholic Radio is listener supported. If you haven't joined our family of donors yet, you can do so online at catholicradioindy.org. Welcome back 
to Faith in Action. I'm Bridget Ayer. Jim Ganley and I are in the studio, and we're talking um, over the phone with Michael Lichten. He is the editor at the Catholic Exchange, and also with which also is Sophia Institute Press. And we're talking about a book, that, a new book out, A Millennial in Paradise, Holy Lives for a Modern Age. And this book is about the life of blessed Carlo Acutis, a 15-year-old. And, and two things that kind of stand out to me here are, are what we're talking about a young man who is deceased, but on his way to the priesthood, but he is a modern young man. Well, uh, on his way to the sainthood. On the sainthood. I don't know. Maybe he was on the way to priesthood. We don't know. <laughs> sainthood. There we go. And uh, it, it just points out that you did don't have to, to be a saint or on your way to sainthood. You don't have to live a long, long time ago. And you don't have to be really old and have a big beard that you're tripping over and everything <laughs> like that. I mean, a lot of times when we think of saints, we think of, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years ago uh, of people who have uh, been uh, canonized. But uh, it's still happening today. So Carlos was not from the United States. Where? Give us a, just a little bit of his background. Where was he from? Sure. He was very Italian, uh, grew up just outside of Milan, and I joke that he's very Italian because he cheered Milan in all the football games. And if you've, I lived in Italy for a while, and I under soccer is not a thing we do very much here. I played it when I was in second grade and never thought of it afterwards. Whereas in throughout Europe, especially in a place like Milan or Rome, where they have a very long-standing team, it can get full-on riots over these <laughs> games. And Blazgarlo was not immune to that. He loved to watch football and cheered on Milan, but he was also born in Chelsea when his parents were working in international finance. Uh, that's a neighborhood in London where Tom, St. Thomas More famously is from. And, but he grew up Italian, went to a Jesuit high school, one of the prestigious Jesuit high schools in Milan, and grew up uh, very Italian. I like to joke that he's such a millennial because despite that he grew up an ocean away from me so much of our childhood experiences were very similar in terms of the technology the trend and especially social media which has just broken down so many international borders uh, for good or ill it has continued to do that mm -hmm. so that's uh he grew up very italian but i think almost every american can relate to him well, I want to get to um, how did he die and what, what exactly happened? What happened when he found out that he was not well? He was diagnosed with leukemia, and I want to say that was at the 14, and he had a couple reactions to that when he found out he was diagnosed. One, he wanted to offer up his sufferings for Pope Benedict, uh, who was still Pope at the time, as well as for the conversion of all people throughout the world. And he made another commitment that he wasn't able to fully meet, but uh, one of his passions that we haven't had a chance to really dig into yet was about Eucharistic miracles and documenting and recording them. We still, churches still use much of his information that he was able to gather up and put into these wonderful little exhibitions. And so he made a commitment that if he had leukemia, he is going to go on a pilgrimage and visit every Eucharistic miracle he could, whether it was in Argentina, North America, France, wherever. He wanted to visit all of them, and he made a list of about 26 he would visit. I don't think he got through even 10 of those to be able to visit before he passed away, but many of his friends continued to go on these Eucharistic pilgrimages 
to kind of as a memory and to help him to complete that pilgrimage. And I think that also points to his uniqueness as a young man that you find out you're about to die. I don't handle my constant back pain well, and here was this young man getting a small death sentence, and his first act is, well, what can I do to help others through yeah, and you and you think about just just kind of what you're sharing here about his life and just kind of how he approached things. It's just amazing, you know. You, you know, you know, Jim and I are much older than fifteen, and uh, and just you know to have the presence of mind, you know, at age fourteen to want to use that suffering for good, and mm-hmm. what a message that is for us today. I mean. We're, are we are we there yet, Jim? <laughs> We're still working on that. It's a long road to sainthood. It is, it is a long road to sainthood. Some some people take a little bit longer than others, but I guess I guess in reading this book and and getting acquainted with you know Blessed Carlo yourself, what are the things that really speak to you? Other than the fact that you were very similar in maybe your hobbies and struggles, I guess you know as a young as a young person yourself. I think what stood out to me was the confidence and authenticity, which I know we touched on a little earlier in the interview. I made, I quoted that line from him that all of us are born originals, but many of us die photocopies. Authenticity, they, in social media and on YouTube, we joke that authenticity is the marketing plan. You have to make yourself authentic, and we found a way to, like we do with everything, to turn that into a consumer good. Uh, Blessed Carlo didn't have to take a class on authenticity or how to be yourself. He knew who he was in the light of Christ, and what you see in that is it helped him to get through so much of the teenage nonsense that all of us have to go through. But also, that authenticity is what we see why it's so marketable. It's very attractive in this land where everything is made in China at 25 cents by somebody who doesn't want to be in that bloody factory you start to think everything is just mass consumer goods. It's all made for everybody. And here was this person who was not part of that, who had no interest in any of that. And through that authenticity, he attracted so many people. I mentioned his nannies had converted, his parents had converted, many of his peers and his friends. And then there's many of us who've never met him, never been to his town, who are now so, who look at him and we're just so drawn to him because, in this world where everything's fake and made as a consumable, disposable thing, <laughs> this was real. This was true. And you can feel that just even reading his life on a page. So I can only imagine what it's like to meet him in person and mm-hmm. feel that true authenticity in a person. Now tell us about his explanations of the Mass. I understand that those are uh, something that are still being used in catechisms yeah. in Italy. Yes, they are, and more not just in Italy. I mentioned he made great exhibitions on Eucharistic miracles. And in his mind, Eucharistic miracles were one of the ways we could start to understand the sacraments, that we could start to understand that it's not just a motion we go through, but it's actually Christ present in the Eucharist, that even the ordinary one we receive can sometimes still be capable of great miracles. And so those exhibitions were actually used in the lockdowns, because they can be printed to poster quality and exhibition quality. And so many churches, I know of a few in Wisconsin and Illinois, that actually, during the lockdowns, when they couldn't have full masses, just put these everywhere for people to read and learn about Eucharistic miracles. 
But his explanations of the Mass are still used in catechesis today. Uh, Pope Benedict pointed, often recommends, I'm sorry, Pope Francis recommends Blessed Carlos writing for any of us who are struggling to see Jesus in the Eucharist. And uh, yeah, I, I also will recommend them along with Pope Francis. Well, we're, um, what do you hope people take away from the book? We have a couple minutes left, about three minutes. Yeah. What I hope people take away from the book is how Blessed Carlo seemed to be both so ordinary, so common. He was just a typical teen in so many ways. But through that ordinariness, through those little things he did, I compare him to St. Teresa a lot because he seemed to understand the smallness could turn into holiness. And so when you read about his life, he didn't do great miracles. He wasn't like St. Benedict raising the dead when he was six years old or anything like that. He went to Mass. He went to Eucharistic Adoration. He was passionate. And those very basic things that you and I could do today allowed him to accomplish so much in his short life, and we're still seeing the work and the fruits of his labor to this day. So I hope people will read that and will hear that universal call to sainthood and not be intimidated, because Blessed Carlo kind of showed us how we can do little, ordinary things each day to become saints and to save the people around us. So where can you get a copy of the book, or, or to learn more about um, the Catholic Exchange or Sophia Institute Press? I asked three oh, questions to, there. <laughs> yeah, if you go to CatholicExchange.com, we're publishing every day. We have an article on there about Blessed Carlo. We'll have a few more things coming out pretty soon. Uh, articles written by me, so I don't mean to self-promote, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And then if you go to SophiaInstitute.com, you'll be able to find the book as well and Along with the book, you'll be able to find all the interviews and articles that have been written about him. And so if you're not ready to buy the book, go down that rabbit hole and you'll be inspired. And hopefully you'll get the book and be able to be inspired further. And so how has um, Blessed Carlos uh, inspired you, would you say? What have you, uh, how's it, how has it in, improved your faith or really, you know, changed your life in, in any way? I would say I, Blessed Carlo kind of, he convicts me more than anything. He is a reminder that I can do better, and I don't have to do something out of the ordinary to do better, that just focusing on the small things that I'm asked to focus on. And so when I read him, I do get inspired, but I also feel like, oh, man, why is he so much better at this than me? (laughs) But I think that inspires us all. This 15-year-old could learn the secrets of sanctity. What's stopping us? And I hope, uh, I hope that continues for me, personally. Well, I hope our audience will take that away, too. We're, what, what was the quote? We're uh, unrepeatable? Yeah, well, all of us are born originals, but many of us die photocopied. <laughs> so we'll, we, we'll, we'll, we'll inspire not to be that, right? Or to be the originals that we were created to be, right? Exactly. Be who God made. All right. Our guest today has been Michael Litchen. Uh, editor of the Catholic Exchange, and you can get the book that we were talking about at sophiainstitute.com. Thanks so much, Michael, for being our guest today. Thank you. God bless you all. You have been listening to Faith in Action, the program that looks at how people put their faith into action in their everyday lives. Faith in Action is a presentation of Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear this episode of Faith in Action again or any past episode at catholicradioindy.org. If you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future program, please 
call us at 317-870-8400 or email jim at catholicradioindy.org.